Man, oh man, just give it up for Jesus this morning. Come on. I'm stoked to be back here with all of you this morning. Today is Sunday. What does that mean, church? That is our fun day because we get to come here together as the body of Christ and sing praises to an awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Come on, right? Come on. And to celebrate, come on, Jesus. Come on. I know this is the third time we've talked about it, but we will never get tired of talking about lives being changed by Jesus Christ, will we? Come on. Jesus, we celebrate what you're doing in your church. Jesus, we celebrate Tiffany's salvation. We pray that you continue to bring more and more people to you this morning through your word. This is why we exist. This is our mission as a church to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's our mission because it's the mission that God gave his church, us, Vertical Church, and we will never deviate from that. We will continue to reach people with the greatest message ever given to mankind, that is Jesus saves. Hey, if you are joining us online this morning, good morning to you, man. We love the fact that you are, you're connecting with us. I'm stoked that we have the capacity, the technology to reach you with the word of Christ this morning. We hope that God is working in your life. And if you are new with us, welcome. Man, welcome to Vertical Church. Church, give it up for our guests. Come on. We love that you are here. We love that you came and, and hanging out with us for an hour this morning. I pray that you experience the love of Jesus Christ in a real way this morning. When you walked out those doors, you know how much God loves you, and the best life is found in his son, Jesus Christ. So we're stoked that you're here this morning. Church, we are two weeks away of celebrating our socks off from some kind of major day, right? Come on. Maybe keep your socks on, all right? Don't show up without socks. Just saying, right? Easter, we have, we have a great Easter weekend. We have Good Friday service at 7 p.m. Come on. It's only Good Friday because we know Sunday's coming, right? And then we have Sunday morning, we'll raise the roof and praise that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have three services, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Say them with me. 8. All right, and when you walk out again today, you're going to get another pack of invite cards. <laughs> Surprise! Right? Because we want you to pray over them. We want you to pray over them and hand them out to people that are connected to you in somehow, some way with, that you would desire to come and be a part of what God's doing in his church and celebrating with that. I just had a conversation with someone this morning that they were at a store. <laughs> They were at a store looking to buy a jean jacket, and the only one that was the size they were looking for was on a mannequin, and so they started taking it off, and out came an invite card, and they picked it up, and it said Vertical Church. That's creative, church. That is creative. This is uh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, those of you who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm I have the privilege of being one of the pastors at staff here with an amazing team uh, as we pursue Jesus as a church. Um, we are stoked that you are here. Hey, so we are going to this Easter, and then this morning we continue on with our latest series. Uh, we step into it called Awaken, Igniting a Revival Starting with You. Igniting a Revival Starting with You. We all like the word revival. We all like the word awakening. You know, we all, we have like, who gets all this? 
gets all those Jesus bumps flowing in us, right? But we understand through this series, for a revival to truly happen in the church, it has to start in us. A revival has to start within you and with me. And my prayer this morning, as we've been walking through this series, that God is igniting in you a passion in your life that you've never experienced before. A passion in your life that, that, that reigniting a flame for a purpose, that you have a purpose in God's kingdom, for God's kingdom, that maybe has been diminished over the years. You know, a phrase that we use that I've been stolen completely from Greg Laurie, he wrote, America needs a spiritual awakening, but the church needs a revival, and I could not agree with him more. The church needs a revival. You know, we live in a hard and harsh world. I don't think I need to sell anybody about that in this room, right? Do we? We live in a hard and harsh world. We, we live in a world of pain and suffering and disease. We live in a world with, with hatred and rejection of people. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, something happens to us when we feel like we're just getting punched in the face by society and culture all the time. Something happens to us. We tune out. We try to find peace and comfort in this world because we don't want to deal with what's out there. We don't want to deal with what's up there because it hurts. I shared last Sunday that it's our natural tendency to seek out comfort in life. It's our natural tendency to seek out security in life. But something happens to us when we settle in and trying to find comfort in this broken world. Something happens with us when we want to tune out the brokenness. We don't want to deal with it. Something happens, if we're honest, we wouldn't want to admit it out loud. Because if we admit it out loud, we verbalize it, we say it, then we become convicted by it. No one wants any of that in our lives. No one likes conviction. Because what happens is this. When we, when we are bombarded by this broken world, when we're feeling hurt, when culture and society are coming at us faster than we can feel like we can defend, man, you know what happens? Our flame, our fire burning inside us, living for God purposes starts to diminish. We don't get all excited and push and push and push. We actually retreat and buy into this idea of the American dream. I'm going to have a great job. I'm going to have a house with white picket fence and 2.5 kids. How does that happen? We have a dog named Boo or whatever. What once was a driving force in our lives of chasing after and reaching people for Jesus gets slid to the back burner of life. You know what I'm talking about? You know that burner when you're cooking meal and things are like, oh, it's, a, it's going, it's going, I'm going to slide it back here and I'm just going to keep it warm. I'm going to keep it warm. And friends, you know, as a church, we've been warned. In fact, strike that. We have been commanded by God in Scripture not to let that happen. 1 Thessalonians, look at this in the screen, verses, chapter 5, verses 19 through 22. Look what he says. This is Paul talking to the church, right? When Paul's writing letters, he's writing to the church of Thessalonica, he is talking to followers of Jesus Christ. And he says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not test 
Treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Do not quench the spirit. Do not put out the Holy Spirit of fire within you. Paul tells Timothy, he says, to fan in the flame the spirit of God that gave us. Because the spirit of God that gave us is not timid. It's full of power, love, and self-discipline. As the church of Jesus Christ, we're called not to douse the flame, but to stoke it, to feed it, to fuel it. But when we are getting bombarded by the world, we're seeing all the darkness, we're feeling, experiencing all the pain, man, we retreat, we shrink back. And God says, don't. Don't you dare shrink back. Fuel the fire within you to reach people for me so you become so red hot for Jesus that you ignite those around you. That, my friends, is a revival. And that is what he's calling his church to. We just need to be ready. We need to be willing. Are you with me on that? Sweet, let's open, and open your Bibles if you would. We're jumping back into Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, we're starting at verse 11 this morning. Verse 11 this morning. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you will find it on page 330. Nehemiah 2, verse 11, page 330. By the way, if you grabbed an orange Bible and you don't have a Bible of your own, take it. That's our gift to you. If you didn't grab one on the way in and you want a Bible, please take one. That's our gift for you. We believe in God's word, and we want you to have a copy of God's word in your hand. So hopefully you have your Bibles or your Bible apps with you. Nehemiah 2, verse 11. Today we're stepping back into a life of a single guy, guy that God used in a mighty way. A life of a guy that, who lived almost 2,500 years ago understood that he had been positioned for a purpose last week's conversation. And he decided to, instead of shrinking back, he decided to fulfill it. And he stepped out with great faith. When we left Nehemiah last week, he just asked the king to take a leave of absence. All right, right? And he asked the king to, to write some letters to give him clear passage to go to Jerusalem. And then he, he took it a step further. He says, dude, can you fund my expedition and I don't know if you, ever, if you went back and read it. I hope you went back and read it. It said actually he wanted him to fund the, the materials to, for his own home in Jerusalem. Providing the materials that he needed. And the king not only sent him on his way, but the, if you read it again, the king sent some cavalry to go with him for protection. So God, who we read last week, his gracious hand was on Nehemiah, went above and beyond the ask. Come on, church. How often is God going above and beyond asking your life? That's who God is, man. We're stepping in. We're asking some serious stuff this morning. So if you get your Bibles open, look at this in verse 11. He says, I, this is Nehemiah speaking, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one that I was riding. Let's just stop right there. Let's stop here for a moment. Again, when we read scripture, sometimes I think we fly by verses that are just kind of throw things at us that we just like didn't catch. But when we read verse 11, this might not make sense to us. 
This might not make sense to us because it didn't feel, it doesn't, to me, when I read it, it doesn't feel like it fits the story. You think about this, God birthed in Nehemiah something amazing, the go back, right, this is the burning passion he had, broken for his people, to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, put up the gates, protect my people. And Nehemiah stepped out in a way of faith that could have taken his life. And then when he arrived at the place where he was going, he did nothing for three days. How many here are a little confused by that? I am. I mean, just a few of us. You got, he's got it all figured out. <laughs> I'm a little confused by that because I'm looking around and trying to understand. Man, think about when God births something inside of us. Man, we want to. We roll into town. Man, we want to hit the ground running. We don't want to waste any time. We're going to go at it. We're going to jump into our business. And we're going to get things done. That's not what he did. And so often we miss this because we live in a culture that misses the preparation of rest. We miss the preparation of rest. The journey, by the way, from Babylon to Jerusalem took roughly four months. Men, women, children, animals, food, you name it, they had to bring it all along. Materials for the, the, the walls and the gates, the timber. So when they arrived, rest was needed. Rest was crucial. So as we step back and I think about what we're walking through in the series that we're in, and we're walking through asking God to birth revival here, right? We know it starts here. We need to understand that, that the preparation is important and that it starts with rest. It starts with rest. Rest is imperative for revival, my friends. You're like, Rich, this is counterintuitive. No, it's not. It's exactly what God designs. See, too many, too many of our lives in this room, maybe too many of our lives, are lived by this phrase, the tyranny of the urgent. That we are chasing on, focusing on what we think is urgent. Things just popping up, got to go do that, this, 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 that, this, and that. And we forget what is important. Our schedules are overflowing. We run from one thing to the next with little to no time in between. We have bought into this idea in our culture that if we are not moving, then we are failing. Friends, there was no way for Nehemiah could have been effective for the kingdom when he entered Jerusalem if he just went at it. Scholars agree that the three days was most likely was planned time of rest, time to get ready, time to get ready to move forward. And in fact, if you look back at Ezra, the book behind Nehemiah, Ezra chapter 8, verse 32, it says they rested for three days. Rested, physical rest mental rest, and spiritual rest. <clears throat> rest is a key in our lives, and rest is crucial in our walk with Jesus. If we do not carve out time to be still, we will most likely miss what God is calling us to. 
telling us to change, convicting us to change. We become so wrapped up in our busyness, there's little to no room for God to work in our lives. And I know I've shared this before that being busy is an acronym for me. Being busy is being under Satan's yoke. Being under Satan's yoke. Friends, our, our country does not run on Duncan. I don't care what the commercial says. Our country runs on busy. <clears throat> we have become so physically tired that we decide to do nothing. We become so mentally tired that we start making poor decisions. And we become so spiritually tired there is no fire for Jesus burning within us for other people. We become so busy that the word rest itself is, is one we wish we could experience. We wake up tired. Come on. How many times has that alarm gone off in the morning? <laughs> I'm not getting up. We become so busy that we don't make time for God that that verse, that, that verse of Scripture says, be still and know that I am God does not compute in our lives. We need physical rest. We need mental rest. And we need spiritual rest. All three of these tie directly back in our lives if we are living for Jesus or not. When rest does not exist in our lives, and here's a harsh reality for the church, our time with God is usually the first to go. It's the first to go. Reading his word, because something that we love in our lives that we try to fit in at the end of the day or give him whatever is left over, and our prayer life starts and ends with when we're just giving the blessing for our food, even if we do that. When we are busy, God is out on the warm burner. You know, and as I said that, maybe some of you are right now formulating your response to me to tell me why. Why I'm wrong. Why it is the way it is. Why it doesn't work. Rich, you don't understand, man. Come on. I work two jobs. Rich, you don't understand. I have two, three, four little kids at home. Rich, you don't understand. I work two jobs and I have two, three, four little kids at home. You don't, you don't get it. Rich, you don't understand. I'm a student. I go to school all day and I play sports and I have extracurricular activities and I'm a part of. Rich, you don't get it that my kids are all doing all those things, and I'm the one that has to get them all over the place, so I run them all over the place here, 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 and here. I have no time. Rich, you don't get it. I run my own business. Have you ever run your own business, Rich? Yes, I have. Morning, tonight, it's all business. And all these other things that people might be thinking in this room, and maybe a ton of things I'm not even saying 
all run to a phrase that you and I use way too often. I don't have time. Rich, I don't have time. I don't have time to slow down. I don't have time to sit down and read my Bible and pray. I don't have time to read his word. I don't have time to, you just name it. I don't have time. We all say it too much. And let me just share this with you. You have time for what you make time for. You have time for what you make time for. And you make time for what's important to you. And when you said, I don't have time, you just declared what's most important in your life. Listen. We can't know God and his will for our lives unless we read God and his will for our lives. Come on, church. John 1, 1, in the beginning was God, the word was God, the word was with God. Right here in this beautiful little book that I'm giving to you for free. Listen, listen, listen. The author of Hebrews calls us out on this, and this is... This hurt when I read it out loud to myself. So hopefully, hopefully it hurts you too. I don't know. It's, that's, a, that's a bad thing to say. That's a horrible thing to say. But it, it, it crushed me. It says, we have much to say to you about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. He's talking to the church. We want to talk to you about some stuff. We want to break down some stuff with you. But you no longer try to understand. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still being an infant, not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Shoot, that hurts. Friends, if you are not in God's word and your only spiritual nourishment is here on a Sunday morning and you're reading the words on the screen, you will starve to death. Because I won't pour out a seven-course meal to you. I'm sorry, I love you, just not gonna happen. You are to be feeding yourselves the word of God. Growing, maturing. Why? So you can distinguish what is good and evil in this world so you can live for Jesus. <laughs> this is why so many Christians, so many Christians and so many American churches believe in a God they've made up in their own image. Right now, that is so scary to say. There are churches across our country. There's people say, I am a follower of Jesus, but they don't know God, and so they make up a God in their own image. And they live lives that they have deemed acceptable to the Almighty. 
Not what scripture says, but what society says. And they reel it in. They're like, oh, I'm going to take a little bit of this. I'm going to take a little bit of this. I'm going to take a little of this. And this is this. And this is my God. Da, 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 da. And I'm going to take all this in here. And this is how I live. The truth is nothing breaks his heart more. And nothing extinguishes the fire within us faster. Because we fail to take time to rest. Spiritual rest. To be in his word. We need rest. We need time to sit back and engage God in his word and in conversation, which is prayer. Friends, when's the last time you had a quiet, uninterrupted prayer time with your Lord and Savior? Uninterrupted. When's the last time that you were praying that the worries of the day that were in front of you didn't infiltrate your prayer time with the Almighty like some army storming the beach? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, God, Jesus, we love you. We, baby, baby, Judith. Well, I got to do that tomorrow. Yeah, that's going to be taken there this morning. And the kids got to be to that meeting. And yeah, I got to do over here. God, I forgot to pay that bill. And go, oh, Jesus, you're still here. And I'm going to say, how many times? I'm with you on that. Prayer is a two-way conversation. You talking to God and God talking to you. So when's the last time you rested in silence embracing his presence? When's the last time you asked God to reveal himself to you versus your laundry list of fixes to him? Friends, rest in our culture is a lost art of time. The idea of Sabbath is all but dead. And just so you know, that's not rich stepping on your toes this morning, that I've got some little soapbox and I'm standing going. I want you to see what God did in the beginning of everything, okay? Look at this, Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And, and because he rested from all the work, creating that he had done. Oh, come on, God. God didn't rest because he's tired. Because a dude doesn't get tired. He rested and made it holy for a purpose. The idea of a Sabbath rest was so important to God that he built in the very fabric, a core of those who believe and follow him with the Israelites, and they're called the Ten Commandments. Go read Exodus 20, you'll get an understanding. You'll see that number four is a Sabbath day of rest. We made it to the top five. So where's your rest? Where's your rest? 
Where's your time of physically resting, your time of emotionally resting, mentally resting, your time of spiritual resting, recharging your soul to be ready to charge at what he's calling you to. If you postpone one meeting this week, say, hey, I'm going to catch up with you next week, and you stopped and took that time to read his word and pray and have a conversation with God, how much would that affect your day or your business or where you work? How much? If you told your kids, listen, I love you, but you're not the next LeBron James, right? It ain't happening. So I'm not running to every basketball camp in the world. I'm not sure you're going to choose the next few things, and that's what we're going to focus on. How much is it going to affect their lives? How much? You may be like, oh, my mom and dad are so strict. Yeah, but you're telling them this time with Jesus is more important than playing softball, basketball, you name it. Well, God the Father said something, so I'm guessing Jesus needs to speak on it. So let's talk about what he says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, this is Jesus speaking. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Oh, there it is, that word. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? You'll find what? For your souls. Jesus is pleading with his church, come to me. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Why? Because he knows we desperately need it. He looks into our lives and sees what we're running after and how crazy little mice we are. He says, you need to stop, refocus, and recharge. Just read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Church, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Get into the Gospels. I believe as you do that every time that Jesus and his posse, he was going ready to go do something amazing for the kingdom or returning from doing something amazing for the kingdom, they rested. Jesus called them to step back and to rest and to pray. Jesus himself before he went off to do some things for the Father. He went alone to be with the Father to prepare for it. He rested. And if Jesus is doing this, why do we think our lives are any more important than his? If he carved out time to be with the Father, why don't we? By the way, it's the same mission. Jesus is going to preach about the kingdom. What are we going to do? Go preach about the kingdom. We need to rest. In fact, I pray that you never look at the word rest the same again. And I pray that when we hear the word rest, that we are convicted to look back into our lives 
that we're willing to look into our kids' lives and see if it actually exists. And if it doesn't, that we will be who we're supposed to be and carve out the time. Friends, rest is imperative for a revival because it's in that rest we prepare for what he is calling us to. We become physically ready, we become mentally ready, and we become spiritually ready. Listen, listen. If you are not rested physically, mentally, spiritually, there is a really good chance you are going to die out in the middle of the mission. Really good. You're like, so I got this. I, oh. Where's my chair? We need to constantly be refueling the flame inside of us for Jesus to keep on going, to keep on going. And when we're tired, we stop. We get charged, charged, let's do this. When we get tired, we stop. Charge, charge, let's do this. But our culture, our society says you don't need that. Fill your life with everything and anything. Don't ever stop because if you do, you're dead. when you haven't fed the fire of Jesus in your soul, it will die out. You will die out, and the revival dies with it. Let's take a look at what happened when Nehemiah rested. Look at verse 12. He says, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and to the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which have been broken down, and its gates, which have been destroyed by fire. Verse 14 says, Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up to the, the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and entered through the valley gate. Officials had not known where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others would be what I'd be doing, who would be doing the work. And then I said to them, you see the trouble that we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruin and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls, the wall of Jerusalem, and it will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Oh, my word. Nehemiah took the time he was ready. He was rested. He was prepared. He went out and scoped the work about the mission in front of him, and then he called the people to action. And what does it say? So they began the good work. If you were dead, tired, physically, mentally, spiritually, you're not calling anyone to anything. And as far as I understand scripture, man, we have a good work in front of us as a church. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do the good works God prepared in advance for us to do.
come on, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And we will no longer be in disgrace. Come on. Let us rebuild the church. Let the church be called a revival for what it's supposed to stand for, what it's called to do, so we will no longer be in disgrace. So it becomes very simple. What is one step you are going to take this week in rest to prepare for the revival that he wants the birth in you. One step. And carve out time to sit down and read. Are you going to read his word? Church, read your Bible. Are you going to shut the world and actually talk to him? God, show me what you have for me. Are you willing to get ready? In the beginning of this series, we put something out there on social media and says, what if God wanted to do something through his church, but his church wasn't ready? And then it backspaced all the way to the beginning and said, what if God wanted to do something through you, but you weren't ready? What are you willing to do? Our world and our culture screams in your ears to get busy and to keep on moving. God, in his word of truth that sets the foundation for your life and eternity with him, says stop. Stop and rest with me. Let me feed your soul. Let me fan in the flame so you as a follower of Jesus, becomes so red hot for Jesus, you infect and just come near people and they catch the fire. What are you willing to do? Shrink back? Let it die out? Sit in your comfort? And let someone else try to take care of it? Are you, as a follower of Jesus, going to step up to your calling? I know what the word says, but you have to decide what you're going to do. One step. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you how one verse that Nehemiah rested for three days is such an image of what you call us to do. And it's one verse of conviction of what many of us are not doing. Let us find our rest. Let us find our rest in you. Let us recharge our soul. Let us be ready for you. God, I think about our mission as a church. I think how today that we celebrated Tiffany's salvation, 
that she was willing to come up after second service and pray and surrender her life to you. I know there's others here that need to do the same. They've been running after what society gives and brings and champions. Maybe they want rest for their souls. The way they can find rest is find rest in you for the first time. And if that's you here this morning, you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by praying and surrendering your life, confessing your sin, and making the Lord of your life. I'm going to encourage you to come forward after service, to be prayed over and prayed with. Right now, in fact, I'm going to call our prayer teams to come forward. Come to them. Have a conversation. Say, I don't, I don't understand everything about Jesus, but I want to give my life to Jesus. That's where you start. And maybe you're in this room and you've been, you've been do, following that phrase, tyranny of the urgent. Man, you've been putting out, uh, putting out the fires in life and at the same time you're putting out the fire within your soul and you want to be lifted up this morning to the Heavenly Father and say, hey, renew in me this passion and vigor to just be on fire for you. Come forward after service. We want to pray with you as well. It's humbling admitting where we are and what God is calling us to. God, we're so thankful that you're grace-filled, that your mercy overflows, and your forgiveness is always present. But it's time for our church to ignite. Your church to ignite not just here at Vertical but across our county our country may your church find the truth of who you are by reading your word, understanding how you have called them to live, may our lives be different for you may we never shrink back May we always charge and recharge for what you have us for. It's in your son's holy name that I pray. Amen. God bless, church. Have an amazing week.